Hey, happy Halloween! Welcome to the Circle of Salt, the podcast where we use our snark to protect the occult community from itself and others. Circle of Salt is brought to you by Felix Warren, aka Dot Ass, and Rune Emerson, aka Runar Eclipse. Just so you know, Circle of Salt's website is at circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com, and that's where you can go to get updates about the podcast and to send in questions and uh, generally contact us. Um, If you like Circle of Salt, it would be great if you would review us on iTunes or your podcast-providing app of choice um, and tell people you know about the podcast if you think they'd be interested so that we can continue to spread the good liberal dash of salt as far as we can throw it so this is our halloween episode this is our holiday episode you know how some shows have like a a, like a christmas episode we're not really gonna limit ourselves to that it's like the christmas episode where nobody curses except we're gonna curse yeah exactly and like we're probably not gonna be that different it's gonna be instead of a circle of salt it might be a circle of candy but the candy also has salt it's caramel yeah, it's like um, those sour candies, like sour. No, it is never about that. What's the matter with you? <laughs> oh my god! Those like they're like you have those candies that are like gummy candies, and they've got like salt that's actually encrusted on them. They're like really good. Yeah. So, okay, no, those are okay. I like those. Yeah. yeah. So it's like right. a like a salted gummy bear circle. Exactly. There we go. So um, yeah, our our. Yeah, we're just we're trying to kind of celebrate the holiday season and interact with our followers and with each other and also apparently discover that we don't necessarily have the same taste in candy. Um anyways, but uh you know, it's it's the holiday season and for us that starts, you know, I don't know, does it actually start for you? Like for me it's just kind of ongoing. Um, so I'm a year-round Halloweener, but I do, like, have a, a f- the time when it actually starts feeling like Halloween is, like, the deal is, like, starting in August. <laughs> which is when my dinner. birthday is, so I think that, that, that there's some sort of bias there as well. You know, I, I agree with you on the bias thing, um, because my Halloween season starts in September, and guess when my birthday is? <laughs> That's when it is. All right, but anyways, um, uh, let's get started. So our first installment affectionately called Hekas Hekas Este Bullshit, today's dish of candy, uh, is brought to you by both of us, and it's entitled, It's Not Just a Bunch of Hocus Pocus. And basically, like, what we're going to talk about here is that attitude that people have where they max denison the holidays and magic and all that kind of stuff you remember from the beginning of hocus pocus when he's like oh well you know it's it was invented by the candy companies and all that kind of shit like i got a problem with that i got i got a beef with that i live like like felix was just saying like we're pretty much 24 7 magic just all year round um that's kind of a thing we were just talking about this we're like pretty comfortable with the idea of halloween being all year just saying 
yeah and like acknowledging everything that halloween celebrates year round because like we had we were talking before about what we're going to say for this segment and like you know part of it was that like halloween enshrines very important things and there were in modern times like there are things that are sort of either people don't want to talk about them like in mainstream society um very openly or very often or they're afraid to or it's considered taboo i mean you've got tab you've got magic witches and you've also got death and ghosts and spirits and like memento moron i i get really annoyed when somebody is like a a ghost cynic like they're hearing ghost stories and like the ghosts aren't real though this is just stuff they're talking about because it it's a story but it's not real and like they'll give some sort of off-the-cuff debunker for for why ghosts aren't real and and i'm like you know if i could talk to you for maybe 20 seconds i could easily refute what it is that you're talking about but the reason why they don't get ghosts is because they don't actually have any kind of spiritual framework that they even think about right so even if they were to experience some sort of paranormal thing they would just kind of write it off as something else because they don't know how to see it properly yeah if they actually experience it like oh god like 80 percent of the time when i encounter people who are like oh i don't have any psychic abilities i can't sense anything i don't i'm like but you have premonitions that come true you can sense when someone is feeling something, sometimes from across frickin' town, across state lines. You can tell when someone is visiting you. You pray and you feel something there. Like, yes, you do. You just don't acknowledge it as being anything special. And, like, oh, that's so frustrating to me. You know, our people will explain it away as, well, it's not really not really and then you'll like dig deeper it's like actually yes really anytime that you really examine it as an actual circumstance and you have some people who don't actually have psychic experiences sure and then i don't really know how that works i because i've had them my whole life like and mine are extreme like i just did a salmon ritual last night and during that period of time i was acting as oracle and afterwards i had to literally stare at the floor don't touch anybody for like probably about an hour because i was not properly grounded we we flubbed it up at the end um and so i was anytime i would set my eyes on somebody or listen to someone or like reach out i have a natural tendency to reach out with my uh, with my abilities to scan things and i it was like i was a raw wound oh it you were sucked. getting too much oh yeah it was psychic shock on a serious level it was crappy i haven't had that happen to me in something like six years so I was like, oh, wow, okay, so that's dump shock from hell. Uh, I need to fix that. And, um, like, this is a conversation that you and I can have because we've had enough experience with magic and with the community and with enough people talking about it that we, we, we can share terminology. So we, we have an understanding of this, whereas, like, a skeptic, we couldn't even begin to have this conversation. Right. About, like, you know, the experience that you had um, at your ritual because like they they wouldn't have the framework there to really be able to to take in this this info and they're like hyper attentively disregarding every word that comes out of our mouth that doesn't fit with their way of looking at things yeah or usually like so usually someone words don't even make it through everything else is redacted with a black pen 
Yeah, if someone's a fervent cynic, usually it's because something happened to them, and they're basically trying to lump in what you're saying with whoever it is that wronged them and what they were saying. Right, or they had an experience where, it, like, they had something valid happen to them, and it terrified them so much that they ran screaming from it. Yeah, and then they just kind of try to deny that it ever happened so that they can rewrite reality, which you really can't do. Yeah, but you can, like, fuck you yourself can sorcerer a it a little bit, but you're not going to be able to rewrite the whole thing. You still exist in reality. Um, so this is this is actually funny. So um, years and years ago, um, I was working at a store. I don't know if I've told this story on the air before, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's relevant here. Years and years ago, I um, I was working at a store called Enchanted Realm, and a man came in. And he had the most um, bizarre feel to him. Like, and when I say bizarre, I don't mean like woo-woo or odd or interesting. I meant like bland. Like, this is a guy who deliberately eats oatmeal without anything in it. Like, three meals a day kind of a thing. Like, he was deliberately neutralizing everything in his life. So he came in, but he had this kind of like looking around at everything and curious but not really willing to let himself be curious about all this stuff and he came over and we're talking and you know i'm like hi welcome and stuff and i'm like you know can we help you because i was working it was technically after hours we were technically closed so like you know but we were all there hanging out we just had a class we were having a bunch of fun and so he came in and and we're like can i help you and he goes um, well, I was just trying to see what you were all about. And I was like, okay, well, take a look. If you have any questions, you go ahead. And he's like, I don't really believe in all of this. And, like, the demeanor that he had turned into an antagonistic attitude, like, in voice. But his face never changed expression. It was very odd to me. And I just kind of looked at him. I'm like, well, then why are you here? And he's like, well, I just wanted to see if you could do anything that would change my mind like giving me this sort of sneering attitude and every like morgan who was the owner she was kind of like trying to kind of be friendly shopkeeper and everything like that and he kept kind of insulting her and so like i stepped back in and was like so hold on a second you're here because you don't believe in magic and he goes he's like i guess i don't i, I guess because i don't believe in magic and i'm like then why are you and he didn't have a good answer and i said to him i'm like you want to be convinced well all of the ways that i could convince you like i could do a whole lot of things i could glamour your ass so that you had a weird attraction to a fire hydrant or some shit you know i could i read you i could do all sorts of stuff but you would come up with excuses and explanations for literally everything i did that wasn't harmful like the only way that someone like you is going to learn what is in front of you is through repeated regular experience with it or something so big that you can't shake it off and he's like he's like okay so what are you gonna do curse me i'm like no i don't curse people unless i have a reason to and you haven't done anything to garner my hatred you're just confused and annoying so here's what i am going to do i'm going to cast a spell on you that makes it so that you can never find us again try all you like you will never be able to find us again you're going to walk out that door and then you're never going to be able to come back here bye now and i just i you know i whispered a little spell 
as he walked out the door. Um, weirdly, that month, the landlord sold the property and the new owners wanted to wipe it out and build a parking lot. So we had to move in a really frickin' hurry. And so we ended up on another side of town. And then the next thing we know, we're closing down, like it was like a year or so later, we're closing down. And I was just like, I wonder if this is part of the spell I cast, <laughs> because I wonder if he's looking for us and that's part of the problem. <laughs> I was a young kind of like, full of myself person you know and didn't really think of the possible consequences of casting that spell but it just it left me with kind of a weird taste in my mouth where it's like you know what do you say to people who actively try to disregard everything you're experiencing because they haven't experienced it yeah it's it's very annoying thing like when it's when somebody comes to you but not wanting to be convinced only wanting to find evidence to support their belief that you're a fraud. Right. Well, and I like what you said, um, like, a few minutes ago. Specifically, what was it? Uh, like, you said something like, most of the people who do this kind of thing, like, they do so from the perspective of, like, absolutely no experience with the subject. Yeah, they're not fluent with the subject in any way. And that suddenly And they're angry about ex- it. Right, and that suddenly becomes expertise for them. Yeah, because if you tried to educate them, usually they they will instead express their disdain as a reply. And and, and the disdain is kind of embraced as almost this moral justification for them treating you like like, like they're an asshole. Right. Um, I run into this a lot with people. It's that sour grapes thing. You know, people want something and then they've decided that the reason that they haven't gotten it is because it doesn't exist or because it's not all it's advertised to be or something to that effect. And they're hungry for it, but they're going to punish you for the fact that you have it and they don't, regardless of whether or not you would be willing to help them find it. Well, it's like, basically, they're like, how dare you have fun? Right. Like, or how, how dare, dare you, you do have something? an advantage? Yeah. Well, how dare you do something that you believe in and be content with that? You know, something that is not impacting this person's life in any substantive way whatsoever. Just your existence, the fact that you, you know, believe in magic infuriates this person. Yeah, I ran into someone on Facebook the other day. They were trying to paint witchcraft as an illogical set of outdated beliefs from, I think their way of saying it was like the, like, uh, ancient humanity or something like that i can't remember humanity's past that's what they said and i was over here going illogical um okay to be fair some of the stuff that we do is a little insane troll logic but that means logic even if it's not the kind that you would use or the kind that we'd like to use for our regular day um irrational the whole reason i practice magic is because it's rational because it validates itself um I don't, I just, I look at that whole situation and like, I know I sound like the catty basic bitch when I say, oh, I just find it interesting that blah, 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 you're, you know, devaluing something you don't actually know anything about. And that's part of the problem. But I really feel that way. I kind of look at this and go, um, that's my experience. And you don't have the ability to invalidate my experience. It's not possible because it's based on reality. 
I don't know. There's only so much you can really do because magic is magic and spiritual stuff. Usually, the way that we validate them is through our own experience. Yes, and that's magic not magic is often as an initiatory experience. It's experiential. Yeah, and it's very difficult to measure or record that in a way that would be scientific. It would hold up to scientific experiment rigors. Even though it kind of created them. Like, the rigors of science are designed around the concept of um, cogitation, exploration, and experimentation. They're based around the ability to ask a question, perform an action that will gain you answers towards your question and a lot of the experiments that we have done throughout this the decades centuries millennia have been shitty they have like we i'm going to experiment to see if the power of electricity will make someone's brain stop producing the gay yeah that didn't really work so much you can certainly make them afraid to. You can make them have a complex and cause them to have all sorts of problems, but it makes them more sick, not less sick. And the same kind of concept. We come up with all sorts of little experimental processes because we don't know what's going on. And I think that's something that people forget about science in general. Science is the, is the act of trying to learn because you don't know. And magic is all about that same perspective the understanding that we don't know everything we can't it's impossible to know everything it doesn't mean that we should stop trying to learn it means that when we don't understand something and we don't know it we take that in stride and continue learning which is a very scientific attitude yeah science is about solving mysteries and i think i think we've talked about this how like witchcraft and and magic like they're inherently mystery based like there's a mystery to them that's that's part of the point and so you know you can have science and magic interact and stuff but they're just it's two different disciplines it's yeah it's different in priority like science's priority is to adhere to the things that have already been nailed down whereas magic's priority is to interact with the things that are still in the shadows yeah, well, science is basically, you know, adhere to the things that have already been nailed down. Make sure that that was actually a thing that was nailed down and wasn't actually, like, you know, fucked up data. Um, right, exactly. and, and nail more things down. It's, you know, make as many things known as possible. Solve the mysteries, whereas, exactly. you know... That, Dissect that, the animal. Push as many pins into butterflies as you can. Yeah, that's Which is cute. It's not a... I don't know. Anyways, my but, allegiance is clearly not towards science, nor is it towards, you know, blind faith in religion. It's to magic. But, and that, that in my mind, is actually kind of important. That's the reason why this whole section is called Trick or, trick or Treat, Bitches. Halloween is about us. It's about people. It's about magic. It's about wonder. It's about recognizing that magic is a part of the world, because during this period of time, during the Halloween season, we willingly take that part of us that tries to poo-poo magic and turn it off and go now we're going to acknowledge that magic is here and a lot of people think it's like make-believe it's pretend let's pretend let's lie basically i have never ever seen it as lying my mother and i had a conversation about it years ago it's never been lying it's been being in a place where we are no longer lying to ourselves. We're no longer trying to hide it from ourselves. And that's why my mom's always been kind of like, 
you know, Halloween is, she doesn't dress up in costumes. She's like, if I have a party to go to, I might, but I doubt I'm going to go. I'm just going to dress like me and people will finally see me for who I am. So, and I don't know, I was raised with it. So that's just kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't raised like with anybody actually talking about magic or, or, and therefore I wasn't raised knowing about magic, but Halloween from a very early age, like I always felt like it was the day that I could like, I could truly be myself that everybody was actually acknowledging all the things that I I really loved about the world, but, but could hardly ever talk about because nobody wanted to really talk about spirits and magic and stuff or, you know, could, or was capable of talking to me about that. Like, you know, but there was this one night where that's the theme and everyone's comfortable with it all of a sudden. Right. Like, oh, now it's allowed. And, you know, we, we've we already talked about taboos. That's in another podcast episode. I don't know if it's going to show up, like, before this or after. But um, we've already spoken about that. Um, but that's the thing. It's when people embrace the idea that these things are still important and like i was raised on stories about like the x-men and stories of ghosts and goblins and like monsters who were sympathetic to humankind and so because of that the like i don't know uh children's television show made it okay for the people to like the monster you know because they're sympathetic to humans so the humans can be sympathetic to them but like i always kind of felt like it didn't matter whether they were sympathetic to humans or not. They were still important. Um, it wasn't until I was about 13 that I developed any sort of fear of the dark. And it was because of Pennywise the Clown from It. it scared the fucking pants off of me. Um, but it was more because I was being haunted by a spirit um, that took the form of a clown to scare yeah. the fucking pants off of me. You Where talked about I, Pennywise in a previous episode. Yeah. So, but the the fear of the dark thing was never a thing for me. I loved the dark. I used to love sneaking around in it, playing in it, hanging out in hidden places. Um, I had a tendency to jump out and try to, you know, spook people, kind of boo, kind of a thing, because I was taught that when someone is hiding in the dark, it's okay for them to hide in the dark as long as they jump out and scare you. Um, because otherwise then they're sneaking around and being dishonest. Oh, I get it. So you know, as long as there's, there's a reveal. As long as there's a reveal and it was for silly mischief, it's okay. But the the weird thing about it was after a while, I started recognizing that that wasn't the part I liked. The part that I liked was not spying on people. It wasn't scaring people. It was being in the dark. And it was like when people talk about ghosts and whether or not ghosts are real or whatever i had been seeing the dead forever and i just thought that everybody could it's just that very few people did like ever pay attention to it and like and i was like well maybe i shouldn't either but i did it became hard to ignore anyway um yeah that's probably enough for me like as far as that goes i just i my basic attitude is halloween as a celebration of who and what I am. Um, It's a celebration of the macabre. It's a celebration of the mystical. It's a celebration of the shadowy. It's a celebration of like remembering that the fringe is a place. It's not an end of a place. It's its own place. And that the things that people are afraid of, the things that they're avoiding all year long, 
are still there. So, and I'm one of those things. So, that, like, on every level, I'm one of those things. So, that's a thing for me. What about you? Um, what I like about Halloween, because, like, there's some critique about Halloween that it's just so commercialized or, you know, mainstream and that it's just a, another reason to sell candy. But I actually, I like that angle because I like the mainstream and just holding this up as, like, another reason to have a parade. Right. Um because then we can be out as witches without the mainstream ever having to acknowledge that because they really don't like doing that we can still be a mystery without anybody poking at us right we can be a mystery and still go grocery shopping they just assume we're in a costume this is my outfit exactly regular clothes see and like i don't know maybe it's the part of me that wants to jump out out of the dark and be like boo um but like I like wearing my outfits during all year long. I like wearing my pointy hat and my black and everything. But I'm a goth, so that's what we do. And when I was growing up, I used to kind of roll my eyes anytime someone would paint their face all white and put black lipstick and black nail polish on and just running around looking like a freaking dead person. And they would say things like, "Well, this is how I express myself." And as I like got older. And looked at like the the whole goth like uh, attitude, the the philosophy. I realized, well, that's all stuff that I believe too. And I don't paint my face, so am I not a good goth? Like, what's the issue? Like, you know that kind of thing. But as I got older, I realized that most of my friends are exactly the same. They're a little macabre, a little dark, a little creepy. Um, we all dress in black. Several of us paint our nails and paint our face, and several of us don't. Um, but all of us have an attitude about the world that is very much about memento mori. Remember, you too shall die. Don't be such an arrogant fuckface that you think that you're going to be able to live forever and conquer the world. It's not how it works. We all of us have a fate, and we all of us have a place in this world. So that's kind of my Halloween thing. Um, what is your favorite thing about Halloween as a as a like a holiday? Like, what's your favorite thing? Um, my favorite thing about Halloween is trick-or-treating, mm-hmm. but not necessarily going trick-or-treating. I like the fact that trick-or-treating is occurring. Okay. We've got these little kid racketeers going through the neighborhood. <laughs> they can all get candy. And, like, I don't actually like interacting with my neighbors um, mm-hmm. or, or their kids. I don't, I don't, I'm not, like, an actual asshole to them. I just generally am a hermit. Um, right. And so, um... But I like that all these people in the neighborhood will come up to my house and come get candy. Like, right. you know, and actually be social. That they're literally coming to a witch's house and, and, and children are getting candy from a witch. I, I just, that is so charming to me. I love that, like, we have the ultimate trust fall of a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. That's really cool. Um, that kind of reminded me of that. Uh what is that that cryptid post that they made about like don't give your teeth to the tooth fairy do not give body parts to a fairy in exchange for money <laughs> and i'm over here going you know it really depends on what the fairy wants to do with that and like i'm gonna go ahead and vouch for the monsters here and be like you know some of them are actually pretty cool even though i personally have a lot of issues with fairies i'm more scared of fairies than i am of anything like demonic you know demons are pretty chill actually they're 
power and their nature is kind of what it is. Whereas fairies are all kinds of crazy. But um, I will be the first person to say, you know what? It might not be that bad. Um, so my favorite thing about Halloween is the decor. Like, that's my favorite thing. The spider webs everywhere, suddenly the the glorification of, you know, of black and purple and orange and, like, the colors that nobody wears. Um, the, the pumpkins being carved everywhere. I'm not a pumpkin spice person. I'm a pumpkin slice person. Like, pumpkin I'm a, spice! I'm a... Okay. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a, a jack-o'-lantern person. I'm over here going, those are so freaking cool looking and we should have them all year round. Um, I wear, I am wearing stripy socks right now as we speak. I have my pointy hat not far from here. I'm not going to wear it in the house just because it's an outdoor hat. Um, but like, I love wrapping myself up in, in the season. Autumn would be so boring if it weren't for witchery if it weren't for the apples that, you know, secretly drip with poison, if it weren't for the candy being sold. And, like, I love, like you were saying, the whole kids and their racketeering, I love the fact that this holiday is a throwback to the idea that monsters and demons and witches used to roam the earth during these periods of time, and the night before Halloween, which is usually referred to in like uh, like uh, East Coast and stuff like that as Devil Night or Mischief Night or Hell Night or whatever, and literally what it means is like the demons would come out and egg your house and TP your house and cause all sorts of mischief and toss everything around, and the next day they'd come to your house asking for candy because if you didn't give it to them, then they were going to screw your house up again, maybe worse this time. So it's this, like, little racketeering thing, and I freaking love that, because that's the way most of the old holidays were. Most of the old festivals had an element of misrule to them, and I love that. So the decor puts me in the mind of all of that. The moment I see the very first pointy hat, or, um, you know, black and orange and purple thing, or whatever. And mind you, I'm from Nevada, and our our like holiday, Nevada Day, is on Halloween. And I went to school at a school where our colors were black and orange. Awesome. Yeah, literally, I've been immersed in this on every level since I was a kid. Anyways, so yeah, those are my things. I like the candy, but like... <laughs> I, I think I don't like the fact that kids have to have pre-wrapped candy as if there's no way to tamper with that. Like, you don't eat, like, neighborly baked goods because you can't trust your neighbors anymore. And I'm over here going, ah, oh, come on, guys. Like, there is no way to tamper with a wrapped piece of plastic candy. I really, I don't like that attitude. And also, like, um, I've read news rundowns of how of, of this sort of issue especially every time halloween comes around it's a great article that everybody likes to do and it, there's so few i think there's like maybe one or two actual crimes that have committed that are in any way what people are imagining when they're like right. making these oh watch out for the candy it could be completely fatal oh or how about oh watch out this is ecstasy your kids are going to be eating ecstasy when they trick-or-treat i'm over here going do you have any idea how expensive those drugs are 
I don't do drugs, and I know how expensive they are. Yeah, my favorite was um, someone claiming that um, now that pot was legal, that edibles are going to be all over the place. Yeah, people are going to sneak edibles into kids' candy, and like, look, um, <laughs> these are people who do not know the price. Of edibles. of edibles or like they're like oh well they're just gonna like you know take some pot and then like you know take out the THC and make some shatter and and make some butter and then bake it up and I'm like that's a lot of pot and a lot of effort like that's a lengthy process for what payoff exactly. how much fun is it actually to know that the neighbor kids are, neighborhood kids are all high and the cops are all gonna know that you did it exactly because here's the thing the amount of humor that it, like pot humor it's gonna take. Like when a person is stoned and they have they're stoned enough that they have the sense of humor to be like, Oh my god, wouldn't it be funny if we totally got these trick or treaters high? Is also the amount that's gonna take for them to not be able to get up off the couch. Yeah, and it's like I'm it's like just, it's not gonna happen, guys. It's too much. It's effort. just there's no just no rational payoff. So but dumb. yeah, I that's a whole other separate issue. But but like Halloween should be kind of about courting danger. So I like it may, being made super safe. Like you know, oh well, this I, we would a trick or treat in our neighborhood, but why don't we go to that gated community like five miles down? I'll drive you, and then you can you can trick or treat around those like you know people because that gets more uh, you know secure, and they have like better candy bars. It's like that's weird. Oh, yeah. It's not gonna yeah. Like this is the thing, guys. Halloween is interesting to people only in curiosity um, until it's Halloween. And then most of them, honestly, I think they don't know how to deal with it, really. I think that that's the problem. They're just, like, there are these smiling, pasty, muggle people who just don't understand what it is to be magical, to be in this world. And so their only, interact with it, their only interaction with it when they're not immersed in the holiday is watching Freddy Krueger. And so, of course, their natural instinct is, well, of course, all these horrible things could happen. And so they're going to come up with all the ways that could equals did. And I'm just like, you guys are dumb. I don't know. But I, it's dumb. So I think we should move on from this, though, because we're going to wax poetic on it. What do you think? I think that we've, we've cooked this one yes. up and into poisoned candy. Oh. And so it's done. Okay, good. So, all right, let's move on from there into our discourse segment, a.k.a. Echo Chamber Azarac, where we talk about things that are totally true because we totally decided that they were. Um, today's discourse is Happy Hallow Days. Um, it's actually prefaced by, with, uh, okay, so this whole section is, is prefaced with a, one of the questions we received in our inbox. Um, someone was asking a couple of questions. One was for divination, and then I don't know if we've answered it or not, but one of them was, would you consider talking about staying motivated in a solitary practice in a future episode? And congratulations. Yes, we, yes, we would love to consider that. We're going to do it now. We're going to specifically talk about how you can stay immersed in your practice and how holidays actually help you do that. So, uh, do you want to start, Felix, or shall I? Yeah, actually, um, I'd like to dive right into that one because I had um, an experience um, yesterday evening that um, really underlines this one. Um, so, I have have a framework um, that I, I do with um, a 
demon pantheon and um what you work with demons yeah i know it's uh, sorry i (laughs) guess i've never mentioned that before but um (laughs) the framework is basically i reached out to these six demons they uh helped me create a framework for working with them and then we would we did it together so it's it's all original and it's usually based around uh chess themes or themes of like scribery and uh storytelling so um i celebrate around this season uh two holidays um one of them happens on the 31st um midnight of the 31st and that is the king's ride when it starts at least and that becomes a month-long treat into November. And I'll talk more about that in a bit. Like, we're going to talk more about in detail what it is that we do. But mm-hmm. um, the holiday preceding that is the King's Banquet. And um, that one got invented. Um, I was prompted to invent it when um, basically Elagos, the demon that um, the holiday is principally um, themed around, mm-hmm he really he he wants acknowledgement basically as part of uh his holiday um the king's ride is kind of a hermitage for both him and for me um it's like a story of like you know the it's the hero's descent in a way Mm -hmm. you know like descending into the underworld sort of thing um so that happens on the king's ride and so the king's banquet is basically like well let's throw a party for him before he goes because otherwise the king's ride just kind of becomes all about kicking Elagos out. There's no celebration of Elagos before then. Right, um, and you know, it's actually funny that you should say that because a lot of magical traditions around holidays that have to do with fallen kings um, have that same attitude. Like, uh, the celebration of Lunasad is actually uh, in Ireland. They celebrate the skills that Lou, the Allcrafted, had and all of his prowess and all this kind of stuff with the understanding that the story ends tragically. He gives his life to stop Baylor from destroying everybody. I have to Yeah. I have to say thank you for pronouncing Lunasod. Oh. I've never heard it pronounced. <laughs> oh, well it's actually pronounced Lunasod, Lunasa, and if you are local out here and are hilarious and know our friend Elia, Lugnasa Dad. <laughs> when I read when I read Lunasod, I think little <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna now call it that. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a so I'm like, wow, okay, that's how it's said. That explains so much. Yeah. So, um, and it's it's basically like his saga, his story. That's basically what the whole thing is. But yeah, the the King's Ride sounds very similar to that. I have um, noticed that that pattern when researching, um, you know, different strings of traditional witchcraft or, or paganity or whatever. And I've also noticed it usually happens around the same time like you know the the harvest um and i have like kind of just calmly you know nodded my head and made a note of it but not tried to make too much of it mm-hmm. um because part of the experiment with the court has been to let them guide how to construct this without using any kind of outside religion as um a framework or an inspiration right and that has been very difficult i bet um, because there are elements within the court that allow me to, to make reference to um, outside religions. Mostly it has to do with my Catholic history, because um, that's just something I have access to. And that's like my the personal side of things. It's not really in the, the structure of the court that other people can practice. Um, 
but um it's like outside religions i kind of lost the thread for a second that's okay um so so you, i was i wanted to talk about basically um the king's banquet yes getting back to that because like we could talk about the framework for the court well we are going to talk about the framework for a court <laughs> a lot but not this early on interestingly um, enough you guys uh he teaches a course on this particular subject a course which i am actually taking i'm not just the boyfriend for the head of the demon club for men i'm also a member and uh it's actually really good so the stuff that he teaches about the king's banquet and the king's ride in the lessons further extrapolates into this and i'm going to talk about some of its influence on me when we get finished here go ahead sorry i, I just wanted to interject that no it's good that you mentioned that because i actually forgot that entire element of what we would be talking about i like i forgot that what i had done with that has actually had enough impact with you that we would be discussing it on air like i still kind of that sinking in that things have gone that far with the court that oh, yeah. it's actually influenced people's spiritual path like because no one ever at least no one ever taught me how to do any of this stuff uh whenever i hit the point where things are that impactful i do have to like take a moment and go huh <laughs> <laughs> So, I just needed to have my. Uh. <laughs> so the king's banquet is to celebrate Eligos. It is specifically um, he wants to be acknowledged by a group that can make it difficult for me because I am a solitary practitioner. Even though there are some people that I am teaching how to use elements of the court and how to like you know bring it into their own practice, it's still a solitary-minded practice. There is no actual part of the court that uh has like a coven structure or something right yet well and like, you're i yeah. mean you're also an introvert so. yeah so the thing is that like i have yet to be able to build this because i have yet to be able to like build this in my life right. and so you know i only teach what it is that i actually do um yeah which so is, like <laughs> by the way that's a really wise way to do things in case any of you were interested in teaching we've mentioned teach the things you know we've actually mentioned this in another podcast i think yeah we did the the educational podcast was pretty good and and yeah i like just really like want to you know make sure like teach what you know when it comes to magic and spirit stuff is so important because what someone can say from experience um is just so vastly different from like a, a a cold dry uh write up in a book right um of something that someone has only ever actually heard about but never actually done well and as an author of of magical text and and lore and literature um i actually have to say that is one of the biggest frustrations in writing um, some people are born writers. I have a gift for writing, but I am not actually a born writer because it's not what I do. I, I'm a witch. Like, my natural instinct is to witch things, not necessarily to write about them. Um, so writing about this stuff, when every ounce of my experience tells me the only real ways for people to learn these things are all experiential and in person, it's very frustrating. Yeah, I face that as well, because, I mean, my lessons that I write on Patreon that you've been following, they're written. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not actually right about that, because a lot of times, 
um, what I consider to be something that can only really be learned properly through experience is really more my setback than anything else. I don't know how to teach it through writing because some of those things that you've actually been teaching people through writing, which ordinarily would be an experiential only kind of thing, you've done the writing and helped them get to the place where they need to go and it has affected them. It's affected me, it's affected a lot of your students. We've actually had conversations with some of them. I'd say there's a, a big part of that is that what I teach in the court um, is spirit taught. Yeah. Um, and so I had to learn this and to build the, the you know, the holidays, I've had to really, uh, this is an ultimate trust fall, really, is um, what they teach, I, I pass on in the way that they instruct, and I have to rely on the fact that they will be available to the person. Right. That, they, that whenever you have spirit-taught knowledge, it's not just that the spirit taught the author, it's that when you read that work by that author, that spirit is actually available to, to connect you. to you. Yeah. Well, and that is something I've experienced as well with some of my teachers. Um, but um, let's go back to the subject of... I know, we've got so many interesting topics, but there's an actual subject here. The, the subject is how to stay immersed in your magical practice as a solitary and how to stay motivated and how holidays have something to do with that. So let's go back to that. Yeah, and immersion is actually a good part of the King's Banquet. So Yeah, um, go ahead, go back to that. So I, I basically I throw a party for Elegos and Elegos gets um, a lot of say in how this was planned. In fact, like you were there like for the whenever I was interpreting a reading, that was basically him saying what he wanted for the King's Banquet. Right. And which was like hilarious. yeah, it's like him basically saying what he wants for his birthday party. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and so he wanted a celebration of villains, um, and he wanted some very specific things done with wine, which were pretty interesting. And so my challenge <laughs> from that was that I got to tell the guests, like, hey, you need to pick a patron villain, and you each need to bring a bottle of wine that's somewhat cheap. Mm -hmm. um, and But not telling them why, right. and trusting that these friends um, would uh, would would be properly prepared by the time they got there that that they would be able to take the actions that i was asking of them right which is like that's a, a big faith jump like because that holiday is not just about you know uh reading the same verses of of something and like going through the same motions there's an actual experience that you're having during the holiday that changes each year and that, right. that was a big basis of like when I started with the court, I was like, I want to have a system that can change over time as a person changes. Right. Well, and you know, it's interesting that you should say some of the things that you're saying about um, the kind of trust that your that your people have to experience when they come to experience this. So I think it's kind of an important point um, to the person who asked us about the solitary practice which i believe we labeled xoxo i think that that's that's their name yeah they're going, so, they didn't give us a handle so so we gave them they they signed it with an xoxo and so we are going to name them xoxo anyway um they wanted to know like um staying motivated in your practice um so here's the thing as a solitary it becomes important for you to recognize a few things i think um, one is, while your practice may not involve other people practicing with you, you are still interacting with people as the person that you are practicing to, to master. Um, if you are interacting with people as a witch, 
if you're a solitary witch and you're practicing a solitary path of of witchcraft you're a witch when you go to the bathroom you're a witch when you go to the supermarket you're a witch when you do laundry and you're a witch when you talk to your schoolmates you're a witch when you um when you go in for that interview and you're a witch when you leave it you're not a witch on the weekends you're not a witch by you know like uh, whenever you put on the hat you're always wearing the hat um Whatever your practice is, whether you're a witch, a sorcerer, a druid, a necromancer, or any other title that you're going to go into, go ahead and grab the D&D manual and pick something out, or, you know, pick something else out if you'd prefer. Um, whatever your practice is, you are present in the world. That's the point. The point is what you're experiencing is the world. It's not made up. Um, I get a lot of geekomancers who ask this question. Like, they like to ask things like, um, how can I practice my geekomancy and stay connected to it and stay motivated in it as a practice? And I'm always over here going, well, like they, they want to master all of the secrets of magic through the very limited geekomancy of, and no offense, Felix, uh, Sailor Moon, or um, yeah. through uh, Steven Universe, or through Care Bears. Um, and I'm just tossing things at this point, but uh, and and like you know, as a nerd, I'd like to say that through Sailor Moon, you could do a lot with light physics, astronomy, and astrology. Agreed. You and Shinto. Also, right, and Shinto. You could also extrapolate through your interactions with Sailor Moon. You could also extrapolate into various dif- different forms of astral magic. You could. Oh, and and, and um, the Greek pantheon. Yeah. There's all sorts of stuff you could extrapolate into. Um, like, a lot of people don't realize that the uh, the Sailor Moon story is a kind of a crossbreed of um, the story of Selene and Endymion, which is a Greek story, and the story of uh, the... Um, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, the Moon no, Princess. Uh, Kaguya Hime actually shows up in the Sailor Moon S movie. It also also shows up in um, in uh, PGSM, which is adorable to me. Oh, do they do something with Kaguya Hime there too? They absolutely do. They okay. So in in the S movie, mm. it's Luna. Mm, there you go. In the um, in PGSM, they try to make the obvious parallel that it's. Sailor so they Moon. actually referenced that as part of her her lore. Yeah, in, in Sailor Moon they didn't quite do that, but they sort of did too. But it was like it was kind of like a side story. It wasn't really intrinsically tied to the the original manga, basically. Right. Well, and so, you have to wonder about all that stuff, like whether or not um, it was canon or whatever. But moving on. Um, the, yeah. The point is, yeah, because we're going to geek out. Um, the point is. When you are studying geekomancy, and I've made this point before, what you are studying is magic. But the tools and symbols and metaphors and stories and myths that you are working with are not necessarily Greek. They're geek. They're not necessarily Egyptian. They're not necessarily ancient Celt. They are um, 80s era Star Wars. They are... um, and, And... that in and of itself is a thing um so you may not have thousands of years of culture to draw on right but you do have the ability to cross-reference just like a pagan who is primarily celtic might 
dabble in some of the uh, the possessory rights of Saith from Europe um, because they learned about them and throw them in and maybe blend it with a little bit of understanding of, of, of Hindu Tantra because that's just how magicians learn the same way humans do, kind of piecemeal. We learn mysteries by studying things. And well, then, especially if you come from like different backgrounds like yeah. you know you've got one family who has a certain ethnic background and another family who has a different one then like you inherit basically two different paths right. and you get to figure the fuck out what your path is after that well and that's the thing a lot of people come to this because they don't know what path to follow and i'm like the path you're on is the one you follow there's no choice involved it's discovery i mean you choose to discover or you choose to, to bury your head in the sand you're choosing to discover move on um, when they start talking about how to keep immersed in things, how to um, how to learn from things, and so on and so forth, I was able to learn an entire system of magic just by studying the tarot deck, the Rider Waite tarot deck. I have already studied the Golden Dawn. This was a separate piece of mysteries. The stuff that I am reading is specifically associated with the Rider Waite Smith tarot deck, but not necessarily the Rider Waite Smith. Um, oeuvre you know not necessarily weights intentions um and i i'm quite certain that while pamela was an amazing artist she was a theater artist i don't think she was intending to teach me mystical art you know she was teaching uh the thing that she they told her to teach i just discovered deeper mysteries through it i know she did a lot of extensive research on tarot for it she um, did but like and there was a basically, lot to learn what you're getting is you're using the Rider Waite Smith deck itself, but not any of its supporting frameworks. Precisely, and it, it has developed its own mythos for the same reason that Ouija boards have developed their own mythos. They're literally derived from the same stuff that Angel San was derived from in Japan. It's like based on an old, I think it was Chinese, wasn't it? An old Chinese uh, divination system that got banned. And then someone re reinvigorated it and revived it for the spiritualist traditions because they were trying to undercut mediums, which is hilarious to me. I think that whole thing, the whole popularization of the Ouija board cracks me up. Um, but the I, my point is, everything has history and roots. The stories and sagas of Star Trek and of My Little Pony they all have roots, and so do holidays. And that is actually, those holidays are rooted in a story. So, one of the fastest and most, um, well, fastest, I don't know, fastest, but one of the most durable, enduring ways to maintain a connection to your solitary practice is to practice holidays associated with your mythos and recognize that whether or not someone is coming to your party, they are a part of the same cycle that you are. They are experiencing things that are linked to the stuff you're learning. Because what you're learning is real. There might be multiple different mysteries going on in August. The Obon Festival for Japan. And then, uh, like, uh, Lunasa for Celtic pagans. And then um, Hecate's Day of Feast on the 13th. Um, and that's, uh, like, a Greek titanic hellenismos there and those are just some like cultural reference there there are lots of different things going on in august but just because they're celebrating the obon festival in japan does not mean that the stuff that they're celebrating doesn't have a presence in england 
just because the um, the holiday is not referenced in that culture doesn't mean that the magic isn't still present and the same thing goes for like any holiday at all anywhere and yes a lot of people bring up the whole like southern hemisphere versus northern hemisphere thing they like to say things like well like christmas is the middle of the summer in australia okay so yes that's true and in the middle of winter in australia you could celebrate the return of the light then because that's their winter solstice celebrate it then even though it's in the middle of june english people um american people uh roman people don't get to decide everything but they do get to acknowledge things and learning from their acknowledgments and their their explorations is a valuable thing to do so that would be the first thing when you talk about staying motivated um start by observing the the power that is present in your space at the time of year that you're in and recognize that that power is affecting other people even if they don't necessarily acknowledge it it's still present to be learned Sorry. yeah um i totally diverted from the previous conversation but i wanted to kind of make it pointed to the thing you were talking about that's fine um i think it, it all kind of revolves around the same thing about the around the holiday theme um i think it it is really important to to understand when you're a solitary um you're that you still have a connection to others yes um because that is what i really learned yesterday like the king's banquet um unlike other celebrations that i have within this this system it involves um other people besides me yeah um and but even though this is a solitary practice um and so i invite them to the king's banquet and basically they get to have like kind of a they get to participate in some sort of of blessing or boon that happens because of this party you know through eligos um because we're celebrating him at the same time it's just you know how it is able to happen and um i frame it in a way that is accessible to others like you know it was like pick pick a patron villain and then um so you know give it a toast to that villain right. and then um you know i my general guidance was like you know now you're going to have kind of the patronage of this villain i expect that to happen for you know as long as the season of the king's ride which is like you know month of november there you go um and you know that's it gives someone an interesting experience whether or not they're actually um following your practice right and a lot of times exploring the holiday um this is a thing that a lot of people in solitary practice have a problem with they think they need to do everything right in order to be legitimate yeah, I understand that pressure. And, um, well, yeah, like, well, because we've done it. Um, yeah, th- uh, you don't. Actually, honestly, discover, explore. Don't worry about doing it right or wrong. And don't listen to the people who are pedantic and try to tell you that you need to do it that way. If you're like, I'm going to celebrate Christmas this year, and they're like, but you're Wiccan. And you're like, well, I'm still going to do it because I love Christmas. And they're like, but you should celebrate Yule. And you're like, I want to celebrate Christmas. Go for it. Be the Wiccan who is celebrating Christmas in your social group. And when they get bent out of shape and pissed off, ask them what the meaning of Yule is. Turn the question around and say, well, what is what is the meaning of Yule? And when they start explaining that, you can say to them, okay, thank you for teaching me. Or you can say, 
that's not really something that really matters to me right now. I'm going to be focused on this thing over here. Or I'm trying to find the connection between the two of them, so I'm going to try to do both. Or not say anything at all, which is actually the fourth rule, of the, which is pyramid. We don't explain ourselves for any reason. So just don't. <laughs> um, don't worry about whether or not what you're doing is right or wrong. As a solitary, no one is there to judge you, so that is both a benefit and a problem. No one is there to judge you, which means no one is there to tell you if you're doing it wrong, which means that if you are doing it wrong, there's no way that you will know. That's the assumption anyway. Bullshit. Bullshit. If what you are trying to make happen doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. And that means that it didn't happen, so you were wrong about something, or possibly it didn't work the way that you quite thought, or maybe you have to wait on it for a little bit. Be willing to experience the world and learn it. Be willing to try things out. Um, Felix, you've created this tradition uh, that was taught to you. So, like, and I actually have a personal question about that. Um, do you feel that it is accurate to say that you created it, or that you, um, like, do you have a different way you prefer to refer to it? Because, like, you know, do you feel like it was really the 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 demons who created it, or what? What? Um, so within this tradition, um, it's like, so basically, it's the court of scribes. It's framed around the concept of scribery, which is like um, creation-based magic. Uh, to be very brief about it, um, and um, part of the whole concept of scribery is creating something that is inspired spiritually right so i would say that this tradition that i have created i have created through scribery there you go so you've scribed it into existence which means it's both inspired by and influenced by the powers who inspired it but also created by you yeah it's like cool. you know it is a collaborative effort and the collab the way the collaborative effort is done um you know as i teach is through scribery there you go okay well thank you so um but you had to do a lot of experimentation and asking questions of the spirits and trying things out and i know that there are going to be a lot of people out there who are listening to this who have dubious or um what they consider to be non-existent ex uh, ability to interact directly with spirits um I always tell people, learn a method of divination so you can start asking questions because that's the very first way I managed to nail down spirit communication. I was having the psychic hallucinatory experiences with spirits where you were seeing them, you know, where I was I was hearing them talk, that kind of thing, but I didn't believe it. I didn't, everybody had told me it was all make-believe and that I just kind of felt like I was, you know, overactive imagination, even though they would say things that I would never say, never even think, because I didn't know. Um, so you are, if you learn some divination and you learn how to recognize omens and signs, you'll be able to use reality to confirm when something is happening. And that is very validating. So try that, um, always. But to, to return to the original, um, point I was trying to make, uh, Felix, you have, interacted with these spirits and tried things out trial and error questions interactions experiments that sort of stuff right yeah yeah they've had a chance to basically prove that they are real um but just not to a skeptic right but also they've had a chance to prove to you and you've had a chance to prove to them that this is a good way to do this like yeah we've we've, this we've is a good celebration 
yeah we we've tested things over time um a lot of times they suggest for me to do something so that i can learn by doing it not and necessarily because they want you to do it again <laughs> yeah well and well it's it's more that like the lesson they want to teach is uh-huh. instead of like you know them giving me very clear voices in my head or something just talking something out they'd rather i just go experience the thing right because that actually teaches me whatever lesson it is right and there does seem to be a very little amount of hand holding in any of this and there doesn't need to be um yeah i like i because with the king's banquet um when it comes to like you know giving yourself a chance to to prove to yourself that this is real um like i told you know the guests to each bring a bottle of wine mm-hmm. um I, I that's all i said you know just and don't don't splurge on it mm-hmm. um <laughs> that's but all i said was you know bottle of wine don't splurge on it no other <laughs> indications of what will be done with this wine although i said you know don't be worried <laughs> right um and so i knew <laughs> that what i would be doing with this wine was um having all three of us pour these bottles of wine into one pitcher. <laughs> and so I knew that these bottles of wine would be combined in some unholy manner. <laughs> but they had no 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 fucking clue. <laughs> and so I whenever I planned this, I was like, so I guess it's up to Eligos whether they actually pick wines that will be good for this. Mm-hmm. And... Oh my gosh, this was like, I think, the best part of the night, in a way. Um, everyone picked a red. Okay. Because, um, like, you know, my, like, I was like, you know, you know, what if somebody gets, like, uh, a Pinot Gris, and then somebody else gets, like, um, a Rosé, and somebody else gets um, maybe a Merlot? Like, that is like just not going to... Like smelling It's going to not quite combine the best way um <laughs> and but no everybody got got reds and they were complimentary reds and whenever i drank it because i am a, a semi wine snob um i don't have enough money to be like a full wine snob um <laughs> i like sipped it i'm like this tastes like a 60 dollar bottle of wine i once got myself so that's interesting yeah, and um, by your powers combined, I am Captain Expensive Wine. <laughs> and one of these people was in on it because she also takes the the court classes. Oh, so she did know. Yeah, so it's like you know, she's actually um, also going to be going on the king's ride because now that's a thing that can happen. Yes. Um, and but the the other person that came, um, he is uh, an astrologer and he has uh, an animist practice. But um, he doesn't do any witchcraft. He doesn't. T- he doesn't even do any ritual magic. Like he just, like that's not really his sphere of things. But he, no he's witchcraft. not witchcraft. How do you keep your health? Uh, he's like <laughs> really in touch with some animal spirits and some archetypes. It's really deep. But <laughs> like he does like some amazing stuff with stars and mythology. Um, but like he, it's not that he doesn't like this stuff or doesn't think it's um workable it's just not his practice right. at all and so he can come in as an absolute outsider and still bring the right bottle of wine well that's good and that's when you know that whatever you're doing you know it, is real. not only is it real it, like it, it's you know it's impacting others in a way that like um and there's literally I, little to no headology involved yeah like and also no like they didn't have to have a spirit tell them something and them hear it and then them respond 
Right. Like A lot of people feel like there needs to be these weird little checks and balances that are used for vetting. Most of that's personal preference, guys. Like, magic kind of happens. Like, trust the mysteries. When things happen, yeah. they happen for a reason, and they really do. Um, and I know that everybody's going to, like, jump on that because I jump on that. Anytime someone says, everything happens for a reason, my first place that I go is, oh, so you're saying that when someone is abused, then that happened to them because of a reason. Yes, the reason is sometimes that assholes exist. Sometimes the reason is those people are fucking monsters. But everything does happen for a reason, and there are mysteries to be discovered in this world, and you can trust the outcome. So to be something to learn from and something to experience. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think actually I want to do make a distinction. Um, the like my friend who is taking the class, she actually was contacting Eligos uh, for advice on which kind of wine to pick. Okay. So And the other guest was just picking kind of without going. any kind of spirit contact, but they both got the right results. Right. Okay, so I want to tell a little bit about mine, about my holidays and how I do this. Yeah, I want to hear about that. Okay, so I'm my magical practice is sort of a combination of Wicca. I was trained by like a, a BTW Wiccan. Um, uh, dubious connections. I think I've explained that before. Um, anyways, I was trained by a British traditional Wiccan. I also have had Anderson fairy training, and I've also studied um, tradcraft with several people. So, like, I have a whole like bunch of different kinds of witchcraft all over the place that I've interacted with. But one thing that always kind of stuck with me, when I was first getting into the craft, the Sabbaths, the whole Wheel of the Year Sabbaths, were like the most snore-worthy, boring-ass subject on the planet, with the exception of one holiday. And that was Halloween. I loved Halloween. I have always loved Halloween. I will always love Halloween. Um, and that has always been a thing, and I explained that earlier. Um, so I knew what Halloween was about, and I knew what Samhain was about, and I even knew how to pronounce it. You don't say Samhain or Salmon or whatever. There are a couple of relatively mm, accurate... Salmon. Oh, don't say that. I'm starving. Um, <laughs> there, like, there are a couple of accurate enough pronunciations that you can get away with them, but then there are a couple that are just really bad. But anyways, I learned all this stuff as a kid, and that was all I really cared about. Um, and then as I got older... I started recognizing that my tradition, my practice, uh, didn't have any tradition. It didn't have any background. It had no backbone because of that. And then one of my friends in the community, she was a teacher, but I didn't take classes with her, mostly because I didn't like her teaching style, um, said to me something that her teacher had taught her. Eightfold the wheel of the year celebrate, eightfold a witch's powers grow. Which, as an amb ambitious little witch, made me go, well, crap, now I have to go learn how to do them so that I can be a badass. That works. Right. Okay, so here's the thing that I have discovered. When Wiccans, Neo-Wiccans specifically, I'm not going to speak for BTWs, I'm only going to speak for the Neo-Wiccans who post on, you know, chat boards and forums and things. Um, when they speak of the Sabbaths, they're speaking of veneration of old holidays that had mysteries associated with them usually nature mysteries agriculture um fertility that kind of stuff um things to do with life and death that kind of thing 
Wheel of the Year. Right. When uh, Wheel of Morality, turn, 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 tell us the lesson we should learn. Um, but when trad witches talk about the Sabbaths, they don't talk about the Sabbaths, plural. They talk about the Sabbath. It's one thing. It's a great... It's the thing that makes a witch a witch. It's the heart of phantasmagoric mystical magical hallucinatory initiation i mean there are a lot of ways to describe it but it's like one moment in time where everything is kind of all bled together and i'm over here going oh like time compression from final fantasy 8 because i'm a nerd and um they talk about it being one point outside of everything and the master of sabbat is the consort of witches is the initiator of which is the one who chooses you who gives you your powers and gives you your familiar and is in charge of everything who's also death and the devil at the same time it's just like a bunch of stuff so it's um there like it's the place that witches go when they fly out um you know on like all hallows eve or on valpurgis noct when they get all souped up on flying ointment and let their spirits go flying out the window to go have a crazy mad party in the middle of nowhere what they're really doing is projecting their spirit to that place flying upon you know the the wings of spirit and going to this place and having interactions with demons and forces and so on and so forth so the days that they celebrate it are actually days that the door is easiest to get through which is where that whole veil is thinning kind of thing. It was originally the hedge. The hedge is thin at this time of year. And literally, and this entertained me, literally it, they some, some stories centered it around the idea that hedgerows grow thin during the fall. Yeah, because the leaves are falling off. The leaves off. are falling off. And like... The leaves, um, like like the the new buds, are prickling and and not quite grown yet during the other times of the year. And there's only one where they're like it, it, all of the different times are like times when the the hedge wouldn't be quite as strong if it were a literal hedge, which is funny to me. But anyways, um, the the celebration of holidays for me has become days when the doors to magic are open when magic is coming through a door into this world from the weird wild place on the other side and all the different universes and worlds and and planes that exist out there that is when a holy day happens for me so halloween is very important to me because that is when a particular kind of magic comes through and i refer to it as the hallows season because that's what i call the current that is coming through the hallows the current of the hallows which is the magic of stuff that is immortal because it has been passed down and never died like it's death cannot stop it um the ancient magics so ancient words of power ancient practices spirits all those things they're hallows and those things are sacred during this period of time so for me holidays are about observing something that is sacred to me magic is sacred observing the magic and observing what's coming through and i just center all of my work around those things and they like the hallow season is a really long time like i was mentioning it goes through um sometimes as early as the beginning of september sometimes before at one point it started in august it was very strange i was like this is like really early but i'm feeling the hallows like super early and 
like weather was changing and things were happening and just like fall came early but out here that happens like weather is unpredictable in reno so that's how i form my holidays what power is coming through and being expressed and um when does it peak and when it peaks that's a holiday and yeah um four times a year it is definitely very strong for me um and then other times during the year it shows up in different ways like i'm not a big fan of the solstices and equinoxes like they're not my personal like best days it's actually the cross quarter days that are most important to me and that's tradcraft um but i do celebrate all eight and then some besides some which are associated primarily now with my court structure thanks to felix's court classes the spirits that i am working with decided that we needed holidays and just told me what they would be and so now they all have yep that's just what they do isn't it yeah so and of course that makes sense and they literally like they kicked me in the pants because they told me about this stuff and then like it was two weeks later and suddenly we're in one of them we're in one of those Mm -hmm. seasons and all of a sudden all this weird stuff is happening i'm like oh my god it's extra magic-y what's happening right now (laughs) so um holidays are about celebrating and experiencing magic the more you court these powers the more that you court the mysteries through your celebration of a holiday and that can be as simple as sitting down and observing the mystery in its element for example if your holiday is about the mystery of water going out to a body of water and observing how it moves if your holiday is about death going to a graveyard if the holiday that you're working with at this time is about fairies going and courting the fae interacting with them and yes i know that there are a bunch of people out there who are freaking out just from hearing that they're like oh god don't do that it's not safe keep your taboos to yourself offer up your psa if you feel it is necessary but remember that everybody has a different way of practicing with the spiritual and the magic witchcraft isn't safe yeah exactly and by the way that was totally sexy and creepy when you whispered that I was just trying to make sure I didn't blow out the microphone when I whispered. <laughs> but anyway, it was totally sexy when you went. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> explosions are sexy. Um, I think that we're starting to approach the Celtic crosshairs. Yes, we are. Okay. Anyway, so those were my advice, and that's what I've got for that. Holidays are cool. Holidays are magic. You know, my little witchy. Holidays are magic. I think that they do help for the immersion, by the way, because uh, my fear whenever I tried to, to strike out on this solitary path with the court was that um, I might um, just drop my end of the rope, um, that I would um, lose track of things and forget um, that I'd basically just flake out on them. And one thing that the holidays have really helped has basically, you know, it's, it's set these arbitrary times mm-hmm. when I do this thing. Right. And so it's like, you know, that it makes you check in. Right. Um, it makes it it makes sure that what you're doing is part of your life and part of the experiences you're having in your life in real life, like actually interacting with other people, because um, it always kind of surprises me just how much it, it means um, to practice um, in person, to have an experience, um, to and uh, you know if it involves other people then it's like you know really validating but 
just to to do things right. um, and then see what happens because something does happen. You know, yeah. you have an effect. Exactly. Recognizing the the play and interplay of forces. That's what all this is about. Learning from it. Okay, we gotta get going. All right, let's move on yeah. to the last bit of our podcast, which we call um, Celtic Crosshairs, where we answer questions from our many fans and. Um, I'm going to say that there are many, many fans, and I'm pretty sure that there are actually more of you than I realized, so I'm a little I, intimidated um, by that. <laughs> I checked the stats recently, and we have 20,000 total downloads. You guys! Oh my god! That is so many! I don't even... Where did you come from? Why do you even I, like me? <laughs> I don't understand, actually, how these numbers happen. It's just all, like... I know this number exists, but I have no context for Seriously, it. though. Like, I mean, like, I I know why you like Felix. Everyone likes Felix. He's Hell's favorite. But, like, I don't know why you like me. Holy crap. But anyway... Before, I know why they like you. It's because of the... It's the ass jokes is what it is. Um, all right. Yeah, so, that's good advertising. So, <laughs> we've got... Before we, before we do any questions, we've got... Felix has some info for you. And yeah. you don't even have to put on a costume to get it. So here you go. Yeah. Um, so if you want to ask a question for Celtic Crosshairs, you can send it to um, circleofsaltpodcast.tumblr.com slash ask, which is how you get to our ask box. And you need to have a Tumblr account to post a question. Just You can make a throwaway account if you want and never have to use Tumblr again, which I actually think would probably be better for uh, your mental health. Yes, um, Tumblr's so, not safe. Yeah, it's really not. Um, you can uh, send in a question there. Um, sometimes we get um, flooded with questions and we can't do them all, and then sometimes we just get none. It, it's, it's like weather. It is. So um, just send it in, but know that it may not be... Um, it may like take a month for us to answer it, depending on whether we happened to get it in time to put it on the next coming podcast, or you know, if we hit like a, a month where there's only one podcast because things are crazy. Right. You know. Um, also, I wanted to make a note. Um, our next podcast will be on the subject of taboos, um, but we actually recorded that before this podcast. Uh, there's just like an audio issue that um, I had to get fixed with the company that hosts the podcast, and so it's not really something I could control. Um, but once that's out, in the episode, we talk about how... Um, I basically reference a thing that I like a, a rant about demons that I gave in the episode previous to this one. Mm -hmm. When we recorded the episode, we thought that the episode would be after that one directly. Right. Basically, you would have already gotten another episode of Batical uh, of, of of Circle Salt um, before you got this, um, but instead you'll get it after. So when you listen to this episode, please don't be confused. <laughs> When you listen to this episode, and when you listen to that episode, and when you listen to the other episode, it's okay to be confused. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's okay to be confused. But basically, the next episode, we recorded before this one. Yes. Um, and we had a lot of trouble putting it together in general. So yes. it's just like so the, uh, the the problem episode. <laughs> don't blame us for the time hijinks. Blame Strider and maybe Eligos. Yeah, it might be an Eligos thing. I don't know. All right, let's get started. What kind of questions do we have? So what we're doing right now is actually a trick-or-treat style form of divination, wherein we're just going to answer questions, but we're using 
holiday-themed oracles. I'm using my Halloween oracle, which I have not really ever used before. I just got it. And what are you using, Felix? I'm using the Halloween tarot created by Kipling West. Um, this is actually I've very rare. I, I didn't even shuffle this deck before today. Okay. So it's just it. It is only there because I managed to get it um, for a really good price from somebody who didn't even use it, and um, I'll probably use it for just reading on Halloween. Right. That's kind of what I'm doing with this one as well. I actually it has a really cute little bag that I bought from the store I work at that says trick or treat and it's super cute and i totally love it and i've been looking forward to this podcast all month all right so we're going to answer your questions with these which means that the questions being answered might be a little odd because they're going to come in the form of trick or treat which means your answer might be a trick or a treat and we'll tell you what it is like and then we'll give you the answer and it may not necessarily be fun but there you are (laughs) hopefully it will be fun i we're trying something new okay so what's our first question felix um let's see we've got one question that's actually an advice question we're going to save that for uh later um we have uh, one person without a handle uh we're going to call them person without a handle um who is wondering if you guys can tell me if i'll be able to move out and be independent by the end of the year okay well we can take a look at that i have no idea how yes or no would go through this deck yeah okay um oh my god really (laughs) okay sorry i pulled my card and it's cracking me up because you and i have seen this card already um okay Uh, what do you got i have invisibility and its keyword is authenticity i don't know how the two of them relate i literally have just learned this deck i've just gotten it i haven't even learned how it works yet I'm going to say, um, you want to know if you're going to be able to move out and be independent by the end of the year? Yes-ish. Independent is going to be a problem because your idea of independent is not necessarily the world's idea of independent at the moment. I know that's a little, like, iffy, but literally the card is saying that um, if you want to be independent, focus on being yourself and and getting attention from being yourself not getting attention to feed your your insecurities or your ego um i don't know that that is necessarily a problem but i'm going to tell you focus on being who you are and don't worry about whether or not it's being accepted and that will help you become independent in the way that you want in the areas that you're looking at okay your turn yeah so i just I just intuitively draw these, and so I just drew two cards. Um, one for be able to move out, and two for... Uh, and, and the second one for um, be independent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got the five of ghosts and the five of imps. And this is basically a Rider weight lookalike, except with Halloween. spooky cartoon people. <laughs> um, five of ghosts is the five of cups. The five of imps is the five of wands. Um <sighs> So, five of cups for be able to move out. Um, yeah, and the five of wands for be independent. Uh. It seems like um, the be able to move out. Basically, it's not really a question of whether you'll be able to move out or be independent. It's that 
no matter if you're able to move out or not or be independent or not there are going to be there's going to be difficulties right um and you're going to have to handle them no matter what yeah um if you basically if you're able to move out and you know if you're able to be independent be prepared to deal with um a lot of you know aggravation and annoyance to deal with like basically any kind of clusterfucks to deal with right. um past issues and and moving on from um whatever has been going on um basically you know realize that if you are able to do these things that doesn't mean that you're out of the woods it may not be fun yeah um in fact i would with this reading i would i would say uh start looking into what you can do to make the upcoming uh next few months go smoother for you okay well so i have a um I have a question that was sent to my inbox because I have Anon still on. Um, and they said, trick or treat. And they asked a ridiculous question. They asked, what happens to the dust bunnies in my house? No one cleans them, but I never see any. Maybe somebody's eating them. Who knows? Well, you probably do because you're going to divine for this question, but whatever you get what I mean. And they call themselves cold-hearted pumpkin spice loving ghost, which is hilarious. So, okay. I drew a card, and I'm just going to answer this, because it's goofy, and I feel like doing it. Um, so they said, what happens to the dust bunnies in my house? And I drew the owl. They're getting eaten. Yeah, um, <laughs> maybe you don't want to know. <laughs> the dust owl is eating the dust bunnies. It's, it's a whole like- dust circle of life. I got the Ten of Imps, which is actually the Ten of Wands, but it's like this big Frankenstein-y looking guy, or no, actually looks more like Igor with like the humpback, oh. but he's huge, and he's carrying away all these little imp figures. <laughs> so it's and like, so don't, it, don't ask questions you the, don't The implication is that there may be some sort of weird creature like from Cat's Eye coming in and eating all your dust bunnies instead of stealing your breath. But do you want to know that? No. Well, and, you know, the weird thing that I got there is, like, I don't know if you live by yourself, um, Pumpkin Spice, but I'm going to suggest that you look at somebody who stays up nights, and maybe they're why you don't have them. Yeah, there could be a mundane reason. Um, This is happening at night when this guy is carrying away all of these really creepy-looking imp jars. So he can eat them. Yeah, I know. It's just like, there's, like, just such an overtone from this deck of why is this happening you don't know and i'm like well it is the halloween tarot (laughs) all right so what's the next question um let's see there's an opinion question we have a question someone's asking was my great grandmother a witch oh really uh they signed that with a purple heart so that is now their handle okay so purple heart was my great grandmother a witch oh wow What'd you get? I'm shuffling. Okay, well, I pulled the skeleton, and the keyword is strength. Yes, it's in your bones. A skeleton pops out. Yep. <laughs> All right, what card is this going to be? Was my great-grandmother a witch signed Purple Heart? <laughs> so it's temperance, but literally there's a witch on this card. <laughs> 
And this isn't like an all-witch tarot, this is a Halloween tarot, so I could have gotten a Frankenstein or a Dracula, but there's like a witch, and she's like mixing up some potions, and she has kind of old-timey-looking shelf in the background, an owl on her hat, and... So I'm gonna yeah. say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, you hit the witch blood jackpot. Yay! Yay, witch blood. Okay, so what's the next one? Um, we had a... Uh... That's right. This was one where I said we could use the divination on this one, or we could do advice. Okay. Um, I have in-laws that pray that I will stop being pagan and will join their church. Yes. They are part of um, a fundamentalist church, which is very anti-LGBT, and considering both of my spouse and I are queer, neither of us are interested. I was wondering if their prayers could be considered a type of binding, and if so, what I should do to counteract that. Thanks, queer craft. And you and I talked a lot about yes. this particular question and and the the metaphysics of what this, this could mean. Because right. it's not necessarily a divination question, but we could use divination to I'm going to pull ask. a card to see how I should focus what I'm about to say. That's a good one. Okay, so I got the mummy, which is talking about change. Um, that's the keyword they put on it. So, all right. Here's the thing. Prayers aren't spells. Lots of people like to conflate them. They're not spells, but they do have power when the thing they're praying to puts power into them. Um, so... <laughs> prayers are like a request to a power for something that you want, like a wish. Um, they are not under your control. So, no, it's not like a binding spell, because a spell implies that they're in control of the outcome. Um, yes, it does potentially have power if any of them have the ability to conduct that magic, and if that particular power decides to answer. One way or the other, if you feel like they are inhibiting your will or trying to control you or anything to that effect, if you're worried about it, do an uncrossing and an unbinding. Um, don't ask questions without an intent to change. Make changes in your life. So I would encourage you to use the mummy's advice and recognize that they might influence you, but one way or the other, you have the power of change too, so use it. Yeah, so I got the Hermit, and in this deck that is a mad scientist <laughs> who has plans to put a brain into a jack-o'-lantern. That's hilarious. You know, one of the other names for him is the Alchemist. That makes sense here. Um, and so I'm thinking about this and how it applies to you, and the Hermit is someone who is solitary um, and very very immersed in their own will like they're getting whatever it is that they need to get done alone and they have no qualms with that like they are confident in that that is like they're completely seated in their nature they are not questioning whether it is that they are a hermit they're a fucking hermit right um and this mad scientist like the mad scientist is always someone who you can tell just from like you know observing them for about 10 seconds that they um, very intensely believe whatever it is that they are pursuing. Right. So this, the commentary here is basically, you are the hermit. Right. 
and anyone who looks at you and knows what it is that you do and you know what you believe should be able to tell from just you know basic recognition skills that they're not going to like pray your gay away right they're not going to be able to do it and so what they're suggesting is in itself ridiculous but also they should know better there you go (laughs) all right so what else um we have one more question that is um someone saying um love you guys but i'm still really off balance from a crazy dream i had to think of um and i had to think of anything uh, okay oh sorry um their ask is how much star i got really off balance from a crazy dream i had yes and so it was hard to think of anything for so my ask is how much stock do you put in your dreams okay so (laughs) how much stock do you put in your dreams uh obviously this is an upsetting dream (laughs) right okay um my premonitions i put stock in my premonitions my dreams i pay attention to them as like messages from my subconscious or possibly spirits um I don't know whether you, how much how much you should put into your dreams because I don't know if your dreams come true or not. I mean, I would have to ask. So the cards advise you thus. They say they gave me the cauldron synergy and healing. Um, what you put into your cauldron is what you brew. So some of what you're experiencing is stuff that you've kind of put into your head it's resolving it's processing it's a it's a melange and sometimes a conglomeration of all the different things that you have been experiencing and thinking that's true even of premonitions premonitions use the subconscious symbols to to tell me the truth and to show me the future and if there isn't one sometimes it's literal but usually it's not so i would tell you um treat this as a processing dream rather than as a premonition unless you know it's a premonition what about you felix let me see what this card says queen of bats who is the queen of swords by the way oh dear very air-based as a moth and a bat and all that stuff um (laughs) basically some of this some of your dreams are batshit <laughs> and those dreams you should simply cut down <laughs> i love it that's awesome you, yes. but some dreams like yeah you know, some dreams really do have some relevance but um you you can be swift in in, in cutting down the ones that don't i personally it, it's usually it's usually pretty easy to tell whether a dream actually hat is is meaningful right or whether it was just some shit in fact usually the best way for me to tell is that i'm still thinking about it five hours later right if you remember it really solidly or it felt really real or something usually it gets to me i keep on wondering about it because i'm like what is what is what was this all about and then that's like you know like the uh the very broad signal that there is something that it was about right i have similar feelings about it although sometimes i'll wake up and i'll have had a really weird dream that is clearly not based on reality and is not going to come true and i will still be attached to it hours later that's because it had meaning and it was important that doesn't mean it's going to come true yeah and the thing is like there's a lot you can do with dreams like you know you can possibly have an episode where you see into another world for a while yeah but that is not necessarily something that's going to change your day-to-day life right although i will say that um 
those are the be- those are some really not the best, but those are some really good places to draw from if you're trying to cast a spell. Oh, they're all kinds of cool for like all sorts of things. Like they're really good to to do you know writing on, or if you just really want to like do some spirit work with someone from another world. Yeah, because now you've I mean, experienced you know, that's it already. Open. Nobody's yeah. ever done that before, though, Felix. That's never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay, so... But yeah, so the thing is, like, the dreams, there's so many things that dreams can be doing or can be about that it's like, you know, you're going to have to discern which of yours are, are gold and uh, which of yours are just batshit. So, um, we actually have two more questions, but they're advice type things. Um, oh, yeah, we... I have one that was sent to my hmm. box itself, and you got one that was sent to both of us. So what like I want to make sure that we kind of wrap this up fast yes. enough that I'll be able to edit it. So I'm going to um, answer mine real quick. Um, okay, so someone asked me, since the veil is thinning and some spirits are being more active, is there a particular question you ask spirits that's 100% in your vetting process? All right, this makes an assumption that I don't actually agree with. Um, the idea that you need to vet spirits uh for like uh, the first question i would be asking is what are you vetting them for like i don't automatically assume that all spirits are good and 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 kind and well-intentioned but i have a lot of wards i have like a lot of wards and protections so like i don't get bothered by spirits very often um if you're trying to find out if they're going to be truthful, I have binding spells on nearly every circle and like uh, communication area that require that spirits who enter only speak the truth. Um, and if they continue to follow those rules when they hang out in the space, then I know I can trust them. And then when we leave the space, I know I can trust them so long as they continue to adhere by the rules. So experience teaches you how to vet. I don't have like a particular question I ask them, like, you know, you know, uh, if this guy always tells the truth and this guy always lies, what would you ask them to find out if they were the liar or the truth teller? Like, it doesn't work like that for me. If I, if I suspect that a spirit is lying to me, I either bind them to tell the truth or I kick them out of my life. Um, so there we go. Uh, also, the veil is thinning and some spirits are being more active. Okay, actually, the veil thinning means that you detect them more easily. It doesn't mean that they are necessarily being more active. I hope you know that. I'm going to assume you do actually know that. Um, so the ghost butts were there all along. You can only just along. see them now. Yes, now you can feel their plushy presence upon your cheek they're spectral asses exactly um so i don't like if you're trying to figure out if someone has come to you with a message and da 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 spirits don't come to me bothering me with messages unless they're personally important and they give me their credentials before they give me those messages because they know better than better than to bother me um if uh, someone from the dead comes back and they come and talk to me and they tell me that they're related to me in some fashion, they're going to automatically know, like they can tell from my demeanor that I don't necessarily believe what they're saying. So they make sure to make their message to the point so that they get across what they need. And if they're expecting me to do stuff for them, it's probably not going to happen unless they give me something. So that's my answer to all of that i don't really have a divination question for that what does yours say and how do we want to um, ask it and then we should this person has actually asked me this on facebook before but i didn't actually have a chance to answer because uh, my life has been so crazy 
Um, but also, I was having trouble formulating an answer. So the question is, can you tell the listeners what it's like to get spawn camped by demons? And we should and just call this person noob. Noob. <laughs> <laughs> and you, like, they know me, so they know that I'm just being a troll, but, like, noob. <laughs> so the problem with this question is that I like because at first I was like, man, why can't I formulate an answer to this? And then I was like, why, like, why am I having a problem with this question? And I was like, well, what, what is really the deal? Like, what is it like being spawn camped by demons? And the thing is, it's my default. Yeah, it's life. How would you? So know the it's difference? normal. Exactly. How would you? <laughs> That's just what they do. Right. So and like for me, that seems really strange and foreign. I don't get spawn camped by demons. I get spawn camped by the dead and apparently stalked by gods in a very creepy sort of Chester molestery way. Um, but I also get interest from certain deities and forces that are kind of fond of the long game, the 10 to, what was it, the 20-year freaking joke. Um, oh, yeah. yeah the 24-year punchline. Um, but that, uh, I mean, it's it's life. Eligos is a, is a demon that can do stuff with time, so spawn camping is literally like one of his his Easiest. skills and his calling cards, and it's kind of so a lot of times um, it'll be how he proves it's him. Because he was already there. Yeah, and it's like, you know, who else would do this bullshit? Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just like because that, w- that was the very start of my experience with demons um like it's just been something i've taken in stride and since it's always kind of been the reality i'm like oh well it's you know nice to know that they're always there right so yeah like i don't know like to both of these questions uh interacting with spirits is sort of like interacting with people except they don't have bodies that you know of (laughs) Eh. yeah like they can do all kinds of like there's just no physical limit because they don't have to deal with the physical well and sometimes there are because sometimes they do just not in the way that i would expect yeah like at the physical and the and the spiritual interacting in a certain way then the whatever governs that interaction is going to govern how they can do things okay that's a whole different thing so we're wrapping up we are wrapping up and that is all of our questions for today wrapping up this mummy (laughs) really I would like to say, for the record, that the Halloween tarot is better than I thought it was. Oh, good. Maybe I should get one. I, like, when I first looked through this deck, I thought, it's like, oh gosh, this is just a cartoony Halloween version of the Rider-Waite-Smith, and I'm not really sure what I'm gaining from this. It's just a novelty deck. But actually reading with the cards, like somehow this really works. Maybe it's because Halloween is so near, and so I'm in the Halloween spirit. But this is kind of like having a little Stephen King miniseries as a deck, Aww. but like slightly friendlier. Oh, well, there you go. Maybe I should look. Network into television. It. Network television. Oh, the adventures of Gunslinger. What's his name? <laughs> Gunslinger Roland. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> sort of like Star versus the forces of evil. Yeah, I was trying to do a goofy voice, but I just cannot. It was pretty good, actually. You did good. All right, so we are getting done now. Yes, um, look forward to Halloween or whatever the heck it is that you do. Um, Although I feel that, I hope that we have rekindled the Halloween spirit in your heart. Um, Yeah. And remember that you are not allowed to put up any Christmas decorations until after midnight on October 31st. That is absolutely true. It's a lie. I just 
cannot abide by uh, disgusting the, earliness. Those who decorate for Christmas during the Halloween season will be pulled apart by demons. Yes, and you're, they will egg your house, too. Yeah, that thing. Or probably yeah, that, that thing, because, you know, then, you know, less mess. <laughs> they will do one of those things. <laughs> anyway, one or more of those things. All right. Trick or trick. <laughs> All right. All right. With that being said, during this Halloween season and into the dark times afterwards, may the circle of salt protect you. Laters. <laughs>